Welcome to the Field Talk Podcast from the Linder Farm Network, the voice of Minnesota agriculture. Agriculture groups from across the state are gearing up for Minnesota's legislative session as well as preparing for new members of Congress to be seated. Both events will take place in January. Agri-Growth advocates for Minnesota's food and agriculture sector. Agri-Growth Executive Director Tamara Nelson joined Linda Brecky to discuss Agri-Growth's priorities for the new year. And we're happy to have joining us here on the Linder Farm Network, the Executive Director of Minnesota Agri-Growth, Tamara Nelson. Tamara, what do you see as priority issues for agri-growth in 2023? Well, thank you, Linda, for the question. We just had our priority setting meeting today. And in addition to the discussions we had today, that was um, that meeting was informed by two in-person member meetings in September and a survey that we launched this fall. So we had a lot of good input we shared with our group today. And I think if we look at the state-level priorities, our top three would be regulatory certainty, workforce availability, and also, I think, uh, a more favorable tax climate. We have some really good processes, some very strict processes already here in Minnesota for whether it's to um, expand uh, a livestock facility or um, to maybe permit a solar farm or some changes on a farm or put in a brand new soy processing facility, for example. And uh, there are state and federal guidelines for that. And both are very strict. And we have found and we continue to hear from members that the rules are, are implied inconsistently or there are delays or we uh, have state rules they're using instead of the federal standard on a, on a federal requirement. And so we hear about constant delays and cost overruns. And so that permitting issue is really a big one for us that we will be working with our agriculture and food members as well as our colleagues at the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce. What are you hearing about workforce availability in agriculture here in Minnesota? Well, I tell you, it doesn't seem like we're getting any new folks into the workforce here. And so, of course, at a, at a more general level, at the federal level, we're hearing a lot of conversations about H-2A reform. We're hearing conversations and really some calls for comprehensive immigration reform. We will, of course, make input into those. But as we know from past experience, those things are rather slow moving. So here at the state level, we continue to work with coalitions of the like-minded, and I think this year we will look to try to continue to organize uh, collaborations and, who knows, potentially some legislation to support certain sectors of the education uh, in agriculture, food, and natural resources so that we have more candidates available. But we'll also be working to connect those young people who are already coming out of college or technical schools and trying to connect them to positions in ag and food. Tamara, with the budget surplus, how should agricultural tax issues be addressed? Well, well, you know, anytime you have a sort of a persistent surplus, like I have seen in Minnesota since we returned four years ago, you have to really get to brass tacks, as they say, and really assess your taxation system. And I think I, we, we all know that on a nationwide basis, Minnesota has one of the highest 
uh, tax systems in the nation, whether it's individual income tax or taxing Social Security or taxing pensions or property tax. Uh, and then there's a whole host of other layered in taxes that everyone notices, whether it's on their cable bill or their garbage collection. And those taxes um, are clearly yielding way more money than we are able to use. And so with it doesn't do well. I heard someone in North Dakota one time describe it as spending money like drunken sailors when North Dakota experienced some huge uh, tax income from the back-end oil fields. And that is not a situation you want to be in where you have kind of a loose purse strings and you're throwing money around. So we need to do tax reform at that element, at that elemental level to get our our um, budgets down to where they need to be so we're not moving from year to year with a budget surplus of over three or five or 11 or 16 million billion dollars. So that really has to fundamentally come from long-term tax reform. But I think in the meantime, the ag groups are and industry groups are work, willing to work together um, to make sure that we direct some of that those surplus dollars to the right priorities. And I know we've had a chance to visit uh, before, after the election, and and talk about meeting the new lawmakers and working with new mm-hmm. lawmakers. Uh, any thoughts on on uh, that situation? Well, you know, we are so looking forward to it. We had uh, an event uh, planned last week that we um, had to cancel due to uh, lack of schedule or some schedule changes, some weather challenges. So we look forward to doing that uh, in the new year. But And it isn't going to involve a lot of work. And I know corn growers, soybeans, and others have been working very hard to meet some of the new legislators to talk to those that have already received committee assignments. And I think really number our number one message will be, you know, agriculture and food is the second largest economic driver in Minnesota. So while it might not be top of mind to the average metro area legislator or even some out in the bigger um, outstate areas, the bigger cities, maybe they're not uh, cognizant of or uh, they aren't familiar with a lot of the ag and food issues. If anything taught us the importance of the ag and food sector, it was the pandemic as being essential in industry number one, but also we are the second largest driver in the state's economy. So really an area where people can come together and uh, not only celebrate what we do well, but also look to agriculture to help provide solutions to other issues, whether it's climate change or offering more opportunities to sequester carbon or producing biofuels and other products cover crops that will go a long way towards helping us with our climate and natural resources issues. Tamara, any final thoughts? I do. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we talk a lot about infrastructure. And one of the things we talked about a lot today was human infrastructure. And this is another thing for metro area legislators to understand. Our health of our rural communities, our rural health care, child care, broadband, and transportation Those are absolutely essential to the plants that produce our food and our livestock products. And those are out in greater Minnesota. And so we do need to be cognizant that rural Minnesota is absolutely an economic driver for our state. And we need to make sure that they receive the attention that they deserve in our economy. Tamara Nelson, Executive Director of Minnesota AgriGrowth.
Thanks for joining us. Get the latest in farm news and market information from your local LFN affiliate and find other Field Talk podcasts on linderfarmnetwork.com or on Apple and Spotify.